Hey Power Pack fans, we record our shows about a month ahead of when we launch them, so we are a bit behind the curve. The next two episodes we were still recording while we were in the same room. Since then, the world has changed just a little bit. We saw the trend of social distancing and made changes to how we record to comply with the health recommendations. With so many changes occurring as a result of this pandemic, we wanted to continue to provide our silly show to you as a way for you and your family to escape. We also wanted to make some changes to our Patreon feed as well. We will be modifying the levels in order for more people to access the content. All our monthly episodes will be available at the $1 level. We're not sure what the other levels will look like at this time, but we encourage all of our Patreon members to reduce or cancel their contributions, especially during these tough times. Be kind to each other and stay safe. Hmm, now how do I explain this one? Do I tell you how Terry Austin originally wrote this Power Pack story for fanfare years ago? Do I whine about how the original penciler kept it for ages and returned it untouched? Should I describe how good old reliable Terry reworked it to compensate for continuity changes in Power Pack even back then? Do I brag about how I got Colleen Doran and Bob Wyacek to sign on for the art chores? By the time they finished, more changes had occurred both in Power Pack and the New Mutants. And would any of these explanations really excuse how far out of date this story is? Probably not, so perhaps my best bet would be to present the story in a different light. Yeah, that's it! Readers, don't think of this as a story way out of continuity. Think of it as an adventure in time travel. Okay. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. Random banter time, buddy. Tell me a tale of what you've been doing and what's going on in your life. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. Hi, Aquaman. Oh, I got nothing. (laughs) That's a sound wave dissing uh, the Constructicons who wanted to be the new leader (laughs) of the Decepticons in the 1986 Transformers movie. (laughs) Yeah. um, I I might take your word for it. (laughs) As done on harmonica. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. We'll see if that works. A toast to our good friend, Hoover Jeremiah. Hi, Hoover. <laughs> Four million years later. Um, okay. So that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's my thing. Tell me a tale. Random banter me, buddy. Don't get hung up on the uh, instrumentation that's going on in front of you. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just move way past that and, and come back around to just a general reminder before I get to my real random banter that there is a new Power Pack miniseries that is going to be starting in April. So, you know, go out there, buy multiple copies. Let's let's really tell Marvel that we're serious about this. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Power Pack, baby. Power Pack's back. Yep. Miniseries, baby. Yep. Go and buy it. I know. And what's cool is that this is not the miniseries that uh, Wheezy and June are going to be doing either. So we're going to have two different flavors of Power Pack. I hope that they do get to do it too. We'll see what happens. There also is coming out, like right about now, the Power Pack Omnibus, which has, I think, the first 42 issues of Power Pack, Mm -hmm. plus a few other issues uh, that Power Pack's in. 
it's a huge book. It's a brick of a book. Yeah, I've yeah. seen a few of the uh, creators, like Louis Simonson, and yeah, and, losing uh, it over it, being uh, real excited. Yeah, uh, Brent Anderson and uh, I know Hillary Barta and Hillary Barta. Yeah. you know, a few of them have gotten this, and it's just like big, big <laughs> book. It's pretty awesome. I think June showed hers off first. Yes, yeah, yes, she yes, was yes, all yes. excited about it. So pretty cool. Go and check those things out. Other than that little announcement, I want to just talk really quickly about what I've been reading, mm-hmm. kind of keep it in the entire comic book kind of a realm, still powering through a bunch of my graphic Yo, your, novels. And is it your Christmas list that you're still getting through? I got through my Christmas list, but okay. there's a bunch of other stuff that's like, you know, just built up over time. I'm starting to get through some of it, but every time I do, more stuff comes in. Yeah. I just got welcome, in. Welcome to publications. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just got in uh, Jeremy Whitley's princeless mm, books mm-hmm. and so i got like three hardback uh trade paperbacks of those books uh from his kickstarter campaign and they are wonderful i'm halfway through the second one and it is an amazing story kind of brief overview the princess who's the main character of the story she's one of eight girls that's born to this family this king and he sent each of the girls off to a tower to be guarded by some kind of mythical monster that you know, is, is guarding the girls until the noble knight shows up to save them and then they'll get their hand and then they'll get their own kingdom. Yeah, like um, Shrek. Yeah, yeah. The classic fairy tale. Yes, but this princess got tired of waiting. She didn't want to be rescued, so uh, she got the dragon who was guarding her to help her out and she's going to rescue her sisters herself. Oh, nice. So it is a fun, fun, turning the trope on its head kind of a book. Cannot say enough. Plus, it's Jeremy Whitley who did the Future Foundation book mm-hmm. recently. Yep. Check it out. You know, I, I know I got this on Kickstarter, but if you can look out there, I think you can buy it digitally. It's really good, and it's a good, it's a good uh, young adult kind of uh, kind of book too. So. Okay, I'm gonna see if I can uh, find that myself because it, you've told me about it before, and it always sounds interesting. Well, you can find it at my house. I know. I'd have to come over. Yeah. Or, but if I came over, then you'd be like, "Hey, how about all that other stuff I've loaned you?" And I'd be like, "Rick, what are you talking about? Are you running a fever?" And he's like, "No, there's kind of like a stack." And I'm like, huh, "Who's to say who's right or wrong in this case?" Me and all of our listeners. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I've, I've got stuff I got to return to Rick where I'm like, the fix. Thanks, Rick. I'm really looking forward to reading this shelf. Months go by. I really need to read the fix. Why don't you blow the dust off that stack yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got it underneath other comics that you've loaned me. So they nice. don't have dust on them. Well, besides not reading the comic books, I lent you. <laughs> what is up with you, my friend? Dude, I'm busy. There's reasons. I'm always busy. That's crazy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know everybody's busy. It's the age we live in. But uh, I was so busy that I had to take a vacation. So I just got back from a 10-day trip to Death Valley. Nice. Really nice. It was beautiful. We were ground down to nothing. So it was pure exhaustion. Within the first three days of the trip, Hillary looks at me and she's like, man, I need a vacation. And I'm kind of like pointing around like, yeah, we're on one. This is what it is. It's not relaxing. So so you were... uh exhausted to death in death valley yes we really were yes we were it was great the weather uh, fluctuated between like uh mid 80s to low 40s so it was kind of like hey i'm really warm also cold uh i need a coat shorts <laughs> nice kind nice, of a thing nice, but, nice. and then one of the days that we were there uh there was rain so up in the upper elevations there was snow and we got to go up into that and you know it's just like beautiful beautiful country it is just it's arid 
and your hands start cracking pretty quickly, but it is absolutely gorgeous. So we got to do some hiking. We got to do a bunch of photography and looking at stuff and geocaching and going, oh, this is what it's like to live in an area that there is not Wi-Fi or a phone service most of the time. So luckily I had like preloaded maps so we could always be like, hey, we're looking for this thing. Boop. Good. I can go there. So yeah, it was just super gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. would totally go back. And I need to make sure, and I know I asked you this when you were out there, but uh, you didn't find any dead bodies. I did not find any dead bodies. Then I don't think you were looking hard enough. Yeah, probably not. Well, yeah. I mean, they they would keep. There's sand dunes and stuff. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, a place called Death Valley. Come on. I know. Yeah, you would think so. I don't, uh, well, I could tell you the history of it if you want real quick, but that's well, not what the show's do, about. You could do that. You could do that. But I'm going to go ahead and ask you instead for a two-sentence replay from last episode. Okay, that'll be quicker than giving you the history of uh, Death Valley and possibly, how it got named. Yeah, and possibly could contain less lies. Power Pack has no clue as to how to save the kidnapped Rebecca Littlehale from the Boogeyman, so they fly around town long enough to pick a fight with a random spaceship that just happens to be Warlock and the New Mutants, who agree to help them as they were planning on spending their time doing that quest line anyways. A plan is made and immediately scrapped as the Boogeyman kidnaps Katie, which gives the Pew Putants a chance to follow him back to his hidden lair, observe that he is selling mutant children to demons, and then slap him around long enough for magic to decide to just dump him into limbo in an action that I'm sure will have zero repercussions in the future. Now that the, a major part of the Boogeyman's base defenses were easily broken bargain bin arcade murder robots, which was sad and funny all at the same time, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. In honor of this book's special guest star, or one of the special guest stars of this book, I brought a fun little beer that I just discovered. Okay, I am curious as to what you're going to tie into this episode or issue. Yeah, I I was too. I was looking for a number of different things. Is there a beer called, like, Fantastic Fanfare? That would be interesting. A marvelous maple barrel thing? What I found is something from Lewitt Brewing Company called, and this is part of a series called the Player's Handbook IPA series, <laughs> oh, I like this. Oh, this is old school art on there too. That is cool. I'm a, a longtime D and D player, and so seeing this kind of like very much old school, you know, drawn on your peach ear and your, you know, it's like, oh, math class is going on. Now I'm gonna draw my draw my wizard character. Yep, this is great. Yeah, this is just a nice little Looks uh, like a female elf, female wizard. elf wizard who's wielding a staff and it's got magic going around on her oh they only rolled a, a four on their d20 strangely enough i used to only roll fours on a d20 as well so and i rolled them so often you could just say oh what'd you roll and it'd be a dodd <laughs> and that meant four and now i'm rolling 20s most of the time uh because i had 18 years of purgatory and now a 20 is known as a dodd and that's really nice well let's see what do we got oh that's cool they've got the yeah the character sheet stats on there uh, it looks like a character sheet and they've written down their things like the, you know, hops per barrel is 3.5 and their IBU is 72 and their SRM is three and their alcohol by volume is 8% and their fluid ounces is 16. Ooh, they got a 16 in their fluid ounces. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's what yeah, this is great. And, uh, oh, this is neat. Yeah. Their, their story time in the, it, the it, crystal ball in India pale ale, because she's got a crystal ball. It's got uh 2.2 pounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the dry hops barrel. This is pretty. Hey, look great. at the flavor profile too. Yep, it's uh, citrusy, spicy, and floral. What's great on this is a uh, story time, which is salutations, traveler. Welcome to the player's handbook IPA series, which will feature rotating styles of IPA throughout. Explore heroic character classes with us as we roll the dice and honor the fantastical realm of pen and paper role playing games. 
That's pretty sweet. I'm a big fan. Yeah, th- and this is just a it's a black and white label that's on here, so it really looks like just a player's hand sheet. You know, it, and it has that kind of photocopy quality to it too, yes. with kind of the grainy grays that are in it. So, uh, I have no idea what this beer is like, but I already love it. So five. <laughs> Because it's really it relates the, to D and D. It might is be fantastic. so fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the beer might be so bad that I'm going to give it a four and a half. But I just I just love it for the label. I came, I came around <laughs> to this one a couple times. I was looking at many different things. And I came back to this one a few times, and I was like, Yeah, I'm going to go with it because Wizard. You know, we've got Elena Rasputin yeah, magic. magic in yeah, here. I was going to say we forgot to say why yeah, why yeah. it ties in. But I mean, it's it. She's not technically a wizard. No, but she is. But a, she she's, does, a she's a spellcaster. Yeah. Um, she's close enough she's for close our enough. point. And yeah. it just and there's a high school element to it as yep. well. So yeah, it's just kind of fun. Uh, this is the fourth release in their Player's Handbook IPA series, and everything else has been read off because yeah. it's all the character sheet. Yeah, there. it's the character sheet, which is so sweet. <laughs> all right, let's crack this bad boy open and see what we got. Yeah, that's a citrus smell. This that's is a, a citrus IPA. Citrus. It's got the nice golden IPA look to it. Um, a bit of a pilsner type look, if you will. Uh, it's got the bubbles floating on up, but it's definitely got the strong citrusy. You can smell the back end hops in there as well. It is IPA. It's saying hello with my 72 IBU I- yep. IPA. No, it's a gold, It's a very, very bubbly beer. Having it in the glass, it, the citrus smell kind of goes away and it is a lot more of that IPA yep. kind of hoppy, hoppy scent. Not bad. I definitely get that real punch right away with the hops. Yeah, it really sticks to the mustache. Yes, it does. <laughs> that was a beautiful view. Yeah. I, I like the back end of this. It's got, I really am getting the citrus notes in the back end. It doesn't have the real, it doesn't have the hard acid that I usually get from some IPAs. Yeah. Yeah. It does go uh, mild IPA, well, mid range IPA yeah. right at the forefront and then kind of blends into a little bit of a kind of like an old fruit flavor and kind of, yeah, then goes into a like almost a older grapefruit kind of flavor. Not too shabby no not too shabby at all i'm enjoying this um it's a straight up ipa yeah very much there's, so there's no real surprises here um except that i i find it to be kind of pleasant i mean it's it definitely is hop forward it definitely has got that bitterness kind of hit you are very correct on that it is uh it is not hiding its ipa roots we have had some ipas that it's like i really like this because it's not an ipa at all and this is very much like i'm an ipa have a little bit of other flavor yeah. profile it's a multi-class. It's a, uh, a wizard with one rank of, uh, I don't know, we'll say sorcerer for the charisma. <laughs> You'd think that with a wizard, there'd be some surprises. Mm-hmm. But if we want surprises, I guess we have some surprises in this book. Yeah, yeah, we actually do. Okay. Honestly, there are surprises in this book. There are some surprises in yep. this book. Let's go ahead and talk about that with some opening credits, if you please. Mm-hmm. Marvel Fanfare, issue number 55, February 1991, The Battle of PS87, as related by... Terry Austin, conjurer of modern myths. Colleen Doran, wielder of the mystic graphite. Bob Wyacek, lord of the ink pots. Ken Lopez, keeper of the dictionary. Bob Sharon, guardian of the enchanted crayons. Al Milgram, signer of the all-powerful pay vouchers. Tom DeFalco, eater of banana pudding. During Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, energy and power balls. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula, mistress of density. Clouds and Flight, Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, Gravity and Floating, Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak, Flight and Rainbows, guest starring, from the New Mutants, Elena Rasputin, a.k.a. Magic. She's got the ability to create teleportation discs that lead to a demon dimension that she controls, and she has a mystical sword, Warlock, 
a techno-organic alien who can morph his body into various shapes. A tale of dark sorcery and high adventure, with a wee moral and deeds of daring do. Starring those stalwart heroes, Power Pack, and a couple of the New Mutants, too! The story begins with Jack wandering the empty halls of this school after everyone else has gone home. In a very careful way, he knows that if he can make it a few more steps, he can get out of here and be home free. Hmm, this is a bit odd. What has him all worried? Is it snarks? Supervillains? Emotions? A tea party with his little sister? Worse. Worse? What's worse than those things? Bullies. Bullies? Yes. Bullies. He is hoping to get out of the school before he runs into the school bullies that have been hassling him as of late. But he does not make it, as three much larger kids of about the same age just appear in the hall and start pushing and mocking our favorite grumpy little preteen. And Jack just takes the punishment and the insults with nary a complaint. Come on, guys. Cut it out. What did I ever do to you? Okay, maybe... Maybe some complaints. Stop it, you jerks! Okay, maybe a lot of complaints. Okay, this goes on for a while until Gus, the elderly janitor of the school, arrives and tells the kids to knock it off. The bullies are not necessarily scared off, but they do walk away while making fun of the janitor. Gus asks if Jack is okay, but only receives a... Sure, Gus. I'm just great. Slam! And as Gus watches Jack storm out, Gus accidentally crushes a metal handrail that he is holding on to. Crunk! Shoot, Gus. Now look what you went and done. You're gonna have to replace that for morning. Outside, the rest of the pack is waiting for their younger brother. They suspect the delay is because Vinny's gang has waylaid him again. So, they know about this trouble already, and Alex cautions his sisters not to bring it up because Jack is kind of sensitive about it. So, you know what? Uh, Kitty does exactly that. Here he comes, and he's in a bad mood. Katie then goes on to describe how she would use her flying powers to hang the mean old kids from the tippy top of the Empire State Building if they ever picked on her. You dumb girl! What do you know about anything? Alex steps in and points out that Katie does not understand the situation like he does, which is true. He had an issue with Johnny Rival and knew he could not risk using his powers against an ordinary person because it wouldn't be fair. Katie makes an interesting counterpoint. There are three bigger and stronger kids against Jack, and aren't their numbers kind of a superpower? So wouldn't it be fair if he used his powers on them? No, they're just numbers, and making a story problem out of it still doesn't provide justification. That night, Jack dreams about monologuing and using his powers in front of the bullies, lifting a truck to show them his strength. And in his dreams, the bullies initially back off, at least until Jack floats in front of them and loses control of his powers. The bullies then start tossing him around like a football while making fun of him. Stupid dreams. Why do you always have to turn on me? Curses! Jack, much like my co-host, wakes up from this nightmare screaming. The next day, we find Ileana Rasputin wandering around outside of the school with a disguised warlock. And by warlock, I mean the techno-organic new mutant and not some random charisma-based spellslinger. He has taken on a human appearance with a red marble hat and a trench coat. Make of that what you will. While Warlock enjoys hanging with Ileana, he is curious as to why she is sad. Well, she has had a strange past. A year prior, she was only six years old when she fell into a magical portal that led to Limbo. Time moved differently in that realm, and even though it was moments on Earth, ten years passed in Limbo. Her time in that realm was not pleasant, and looking at the kids, she thinks about what she has missed. And while she explains this to Warlock, she passes by and does not notice a crying Jack Power. He is trying to avoid his bullies, but sees them as the end of the day buzzer rings. So, a very 
very uncharacteristically worried and scared Jack, runs into a locked fallout shelter door and, using his density powers in an interesting way, unlocks the door. Now, how exactly does that happen? I really don't know, but we can talk about it later, okay? Okay, fine, fine. All we know is that Jack is now sitting in an old storage room feeling bad about himself. In an old fallout shelter? Yes. Does that make him a fallout boy in the dark? Oh, no. Oh, Jack's hiding from bullies in the dark, dark, sure that they will hurt him on a lock, lock, and besides in the mean, mean time, I'm just dreaming of being a la carte. I'm in the deep details of my travels hiding in a shelter just like a Neville, I just gotta hide at the stage, hiding from a bully's rage, gonna need some time to depart. Readers know where you hide in the dark. So hide away, way, way, hide away, way, way, hide away, way, way, you are scared. So hide away, way, way, hide away, way, way, hide away, way, way, you are scared. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of walked into that one. Not unlike Warlock and Magic just walking into the school's gymnasium above the fallout shelter Jack is hiding in at the end of the school day. Well, of course. I mean, would you try and stop a demon queen and an alien from walking into your school? <laughs> of course I would, because, you know, I'm like a 10th level paladin. Whatever. Magic is explaining that this is where normal kids play games, and as she invites herself to a very exclusive pity party of one, Warlock goofs off in the background playing basketball against himself while simultaneously being the basket as well. Swish! Two points! And it's during this scene that a child appears asking why Magic is sad. She looks a little bit like a younger version of Magic, dressed in a similar fashion and holding herself in a similar pose, and as Magic realizes this, this child then starts to, like, poltergeist out, taking the building with her. The boom! Power Pack, minus Jack, have been waiting outside the school for their absent sibling, but this structural shattering signals a sartorial switch and a summoning to stir. The gym, it just exploded. Costumes on! Inside, the now floating freaky female changes into an Asgardian beast. We know it is from Asgard because it says that it was sent by the Enchantress to attack the Teenage Mutant. This comes from some really complicated backstory from when the New Mutants and X-Men were stuck on Asgard because of Loki and the Enchantress wanting to have Magic become her companion and pupil. Comics, folks. Comics. Well, Magic is not having any of this, so she pulls out her Soul Sword, which also summons her Eldritch Armor, making her look like ten times of awesome. Again, comics, folks. By this time, the pack have shown up, ready to layeth the smacketh downeth... This smackdown is interrupted by the horned werewolf-looking demon shooting mystic bolts at them. Everyone scatter! Yowie! Outside the building, the cops have shown up and are moving kids and adults back. One of them is the janitor Gus. He tries to explain that there are kids inside, and even tries to sneak in to help, but he is turned away. In his anger, he crushes his metal toolbox. Yeah, 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 hint, 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 foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Yeah, soaking in it, got it. Well, back inside, the five heroes are having some trouble with this big bad. At the moment, Alex, Magic, and Julie are hiding behind Warlock while Katie is flying circles around the villain. This is part of a series of tests that the kids are running against their foe. They're figuring out that he is protected by an energy field, one that blocks physical and energy attacks. 
Magic deciphers this to mean that it is protecting the being from coming in contact with earthly elements. She deduces that any of these earthly elements could harm the creature. She has a plan to take down the shield and have everyone hit him with water, earth, wind, and fire. Which means... That you will explain the comic and not sing an Earth, Wind, and Fire parody song. Ah, uh, fine. Everyone prepares and Magic sends a force blast of energy from her soul sword to disrupt its mystical force field. And at the same time, the following things happen. Julie goes big, but not cloudy, which gives her strength. We guess. To turn on some water. Katie funnels the water using her slipstream from flying. We guess. And Warlock scoops up some dirt because we're outside now. Somehow, we guess. So the monster's force field goes down and the air hits the monster. Then Katie splashes it. Sploosh. Warlock dumps the dirt on it. Splat. And Alex hits it with a powerball, which is not fire, but whatever. We guess. Paf. And this means that the beast is dispatched. Kathoom! Hooray! All this insanity has finally caused the room where Jack is at to open up, so he starts to climb up. And he's climbing up at the same time that Warlock and Magic are saying goodbye to the other members of the pack. I would like to point out that Warlock is a rocking horse right now for Katie. I'm glad you saw that, because Jack did not. The new mutants flew off by the time Jack crawled out, which means he didn't get no smoochies from Magic. But he does get a play-by-play as the power pack flies home. And boy, is he ever appreciative of his siblings. Especially after his sister mocks him for being scared by bullies and then too scared to fight a monster. Shut up! You better just shut up! Way to go, Dunderhead! You better apologize to Jack, Katie! Apparently, Katie does apologize off-panel. But that does nothing to help him sleep that night. And it does nothing to stop Jack from sneaking out of the house to mope at the destroyed gymnasium. As all good preteens should. Maybe Katie's right. Maybe I am just a stupid chicken. If only, if only there was a character who Jack could interact with and get a life lesson from. But where, 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 oh editing gods, would we find one this late in the book? Um, how about, and stick with me on this, how about Gus the janitor who is poking around the fallout shelter that Jack was hiding in earlier? Well, sure, okay. Fine, that might work, but he's not going to understand Jack's problems. Actually, he could understand Jack's problems. You see, way back when he was a soldier in World War I, he got hit by some weird gas and ended up in the hospital for an extended stay. Eventually, he was medically discharged, and after he was back stateside, he developed super strength and the super desire to do something with his newfound power set during World War II. But he was continually told by his family to just hide his powers especially since he was only super strong, but not invulnerable. And war is where bullets live. Ah, we share the same weakness, vulnerability to physical harm. So for years, this guy has been just hiding his powers. So why is he telling Jack about them now? He is an old man now, and his wife has passed away. And he just kept hiding his abilities like he promised her. But now he's wondering why. Why can't he use these gifts when he wants to? Especially when he could use them to help people. Just like he wanted to use them earlier this very day. Creak! I mean, I know the guy's old, Rick, but I think putting a creak for his joints is over the top. No, no, no. That is the ceiling creaking, meaning that it is caving in. Gus pushes Jack out of the way and takes the collapsing rubble on his back. Now, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Um, wouldn't that kill him? 
Well, for one thing, that would be mean. And for another, it is a bad story beat to kill off the mentor character before they have finished aiding in the hero's journey. As it is, the old janitor is holding up a mess of weight on his back, which is impressive, but it ain't gonna last. Jack sees this and subtly reduces the gravity of the concrete slab, which allows the janitor to toss it away. Gus did not see Jack help him out, which in turn gives the old janitor a moment of reflection. He realizes that he had this power just to save their lives tonight. He is content now. He found his purpose and he fulfilled it. He has picked up and put down the hero's mantle, but he is not quite done with his inadvertent mentor role for Jack. Now I can live the rest of my days content, because knowing what you're capable of, knowing that you're special, even if no one else realizes it, is a pretty satisfying thing. Jack realizes that his out-of-the-blue mentor figure is right on the money with his statement, and he promises that he won't tell anyone about Gus's powers or his origin story. The next afternoon, Jack runs into the boys again, but this time, we see that the real Jack steps up. And as the rest of the Power Kids watch, Jack announces, I'm sick of this. If you want to fight, Vinny, come on! Jack steps up to the much larger child and lands one good, normal punch to his jaw. Whack! And then Jack takes multiple solid hits from Vinny because, pro tip, big violent bullies are often good at violence. Swack! And that is the end of the fight! Jack is down, and the bull and his gang celebrate the righteous defeat of the victimized foe. As Jack has helped up, his family is proud of him for standing up to Vinny. Jack is confused. What are you guys talking about? I got beat up. I lost the fight. Well, he may have just gotten his stuffing knocked out of him, and his can kicked all the way to the recyclers for the deposit, but Julie points out that it was Jack that lost the fight. Jack could have used his counterweight powers, but he didn't. He may not realize it yet, but that, in itself is a victory for him. Jack can understand this, and as they walk away, Katie gives the retreating gang a piece of her mind. When I get big, you guys are dead meat. I'm the only one allowed to pick on my dumb brother. The final scenes show Vinny and the crew walking away, discussing who they will pick on next. You know, since Jack has obviously learned his lesson, but then... Sploosh! Gus dumps a pail of dirty mop water on the trio from the second floor window. Wah, wah, wah! The end. Next issue, let's head back over to Power Pack with issue number 41, Smoke Out. It's Power Pack packaging time. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so that was something. <laughs> we have got this cover, and um, it's actually a wraparound cover because it's Marvel. Really? I didn't notice it. Yeah. It's Holy a, for holies it is, but it's two different uh, images entirely, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Because uh, this Marvel fanfare is kind of a... Sort of a split issue. It's more sort of a split issue. The, the book itself is kind of a, a a place where experimental or random stories are put. <laughs> the, the opening ad that we uh, read is the very inside cover of yeah. Marvel fanfare, and it is literally just the, I think, the editor or whatever, uh, Al Milgram, explaining that... This is a story that was written and the penciler kept forever and then eventually gave back without doing work on. And then things had changed. So they yep. changed stuff, but things had changed again. And he's like, this is a story that we've had for a while and we're going to just give it to you here. Don't worry about continuity. But before we get to that, we have the cover, which there is a Wolverine story in here as well. So the back cover is the Wolverine piece, which is interesting. The front cover is done by... The pencil of this issue, which is Colleen Doran and Bob Wyacek. Mm -hmm. And it's got um, this beast creature 
Yeah, it's um, like it looks like a. They call it an ogre in here. Yeah. It really kind of has a. It's furry. It's got clawed hands. It's had cloven. Does it have cloven hooves? I don't. Th- no, I don't it, think it does. But I, it, I don't know if it looks here. very much like a werewolf with armor and horns. Yeah. And 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 it's attacking. And we've got Ileana in her full eldritch armor with her soul sword, and it's coming down like right at the chest. And and the cloud of Julie is underneath. And you got. Katie flying in from above, and you got Warlock in the background, and a powered-up Alex. No Jack on the cover because you know he's he's down the Fallout shop. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he would be on the uh, the supplemental issue cover yes, where he could yes. like fold it down. Sure, yep. and the, and it would show it'd him be, just kind yeah, of moping be, in a Fallout shop. Well, yeah, yeah. So uh, I like this cover. I do like this cover, and I think that this is a pretty good place to kind of get right into Colleen Doran, who. I like her art, but, and I know we're going to get into this when we're talking about the inside, I like her art more in a static view, yeah. like this cover. Uh-huh. This cover, is it's an action pose, but it's it's a very static portrait. It's very good. It's, it's No, the cover looks great. Yeah, it's her art style is, is a little more fantasy-laden, you might say. Hmm. It's just got some of those kind of beats to it. It kind of takes over with the inside shot where we've got the kids kind of all the kids running at the camera and you got Ileana there and what I really noticed is down below you've got kind of this fancy scroll work around where it says the tale of, of dark sorcery and power pack and the new mutants but this scroll work around is very intricate yeah and very interesting there's like an eye there's a spider there's some gems it's kind of done this gold leaf there's pentagrams so she's got really good static art my problem with the rest of the art that she has is it seems like she doesn't do action and movement that well not really and that's where i found the problem was it's like kind of the, the some of her action stuff looks okay it's like when the bullies are like pulling up jack's shirt and stuff i'm like yeah that looks good but even some of the static stuff is you know it's like the previous page to that one it's got like you know the rest of the pack waiting for jack and yeah you know, it's like everybody everybody kind of looks wrong yeah there is there's just there's some things that don't quite fit yeah but, the, i find the art in the it's okay category yeah. it's not it doesn't you know it's not terrible it doesn't blow me away it's very it's make weight it, yeah. it it fills a void you need art you can have art here here it's what it looks like it's not winning any awards it's not making anybody like oh i need to make a photocopy of this and color this and put it up on my uh mm. you know in my peachy or on my uh on my uh wall. locker or yeah. wall or anything it's it's not going to make anybody's yeah montage you know kind of thing it's you're, it, you're not going to make a, a, a scrapbook a scrapbook or a collage with it well it's very interesting and i'm going to get back a little bit to this when i get around to the to talking about my library card because it just so happened at the same time i was rereading this i happened to be reading another book that i picked up a while ago and just kind of fell into the pile and i finally picked it out to read it and i'm reading through and i'm going god this art is gorgeous i love this same artist colleen doran and it was snow glass apples by neil gaiman so i ended up pulling that in and i'll talk a bit more about it but that's when i realized why do i like this and not this there's a about 30 years difference between the two one yeah. thing so you know her art has yeah, changed a little she's bit she's had a little bit of time to develop but at the same time i also noticed that the snow glass apples it's a much more of the static shots okay and it just wow this is wonderful and i can see where are the things i didn't so much like about this we have a few more problems with this book yes there are some issues now, with this <laughs> issue at hand now this is uh definitely about two or three years after or this came out two or three years after where we're at in the normal storyline okay but i put it in here because there is no other place it really fits. It's <laughs> kind of hard to shoehorn it in. And yeah. Because even because of a couple of things. Yeah. Um, one is they've just met Eliana. They met Eliana in the last couple of issues of Power Pack. Yeah. That's when they met Magic. 
And so they, they've met her once before, they, and they're seeing her again. The problem is, is that the kids are all wearing different costumes yeah. because there's something that happens about five or six issues ahead of where we're at out in the series where the kids figure out how to change their costumes around so they actually match the powers that they have. Mm-hmm. Because they right now they've all got the costume symbols and the colors that match their prior pl- powers. Yeah. Their original costumes. Yeah, their original costumes. So this definitely has, there's a definite time and place where this occurs. It should be after they change their costumes. Except by that time, Ileana is no longer a teenager. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so there's, and, and that happens between then and now. So this doesn't fit, <laughs> but I had to get, it's more important to get this in as, Ileana's a teenager because that you can't hand wave away. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird because it seems like it takes place it, it takes place both after the future of where we're at, but before the past of where we are. Yeah. It is Yeah, it's it, it, it they sure did try their best. We'll just say that. They tried their yeah. best. They just took a thing and kind of kind of used the little crowbar and kind of pry barred and kind of just shoehorned it in a little bit and just said, "You yeah, round about here. We're going to we're going to try our best to make this all work. Yeah. They, well, there's even a thing in there where it's like Power Pack shows up and Warlock is like, oh, hey, it's it's Power Pack. It's these people. And Magic is even like, no time for introductions. Right. Which kind of makes it sound like they haven't met yet. Right. So it's... But yeah. Yeah. It, it's easier to say that they have met. Yeah. But yeah. I could assume on that. It's like they'd met and Ileana's just like, we don't have time for you to say who's here. Let's just do the stuff with them. Okay. To add to this confusion, they did add... They did include a caption box that says this events take place before Power Pack 52 and New Mutant 73. Because that's in the middle of Inferno where things happen to Ileana. And Power Pack being another big change. So it's they recognize that it fits somewhere in there. Somewhere around about but, in an area kind of sort of. Yeah, but this is this is kind of the place where it's like, nah, this is this is where it needs to be at. Now we have some other little problems. We ain't done with the problems yet, folks. No, there's there's a, a large number of them. Let's talk a little bit about powers. <laughs> okay. First of all, Jack, he uses his G powers to move a lock. Yeah. So he comes up to this lock door and he can't move it. And he doesn't use his powers to like, you know, to push in or something like that. He uses his powers to magically move the lock from locked to unlocked. I am fine with that. I think I could see that as working. It's something that he's never done before. No, it is not. It is a it is an amazing uh, power feat mm-hmm. onto his power set. He's it's never close, done it before. He's never done it again. It's closer to what they do in the uh, the, the All Ages comics that mm-hmm. Alex uses power more like telekinesis. Yeah, it is very. Yeah, that is his gravity set becomes yeah. very much telekinesis with a gravity keyword. Right. But it's very different. It's very interesting. It's very touchy or a very uh, technical use of the power. It really is. I like it. I liked it too, but I just don't see it really from Jack. (laughs) No, because we, and again, it's because we've never seen it. And I I, I could see how it would work. Right. But it's something that Alex would figure out. Possibly. Maybe Julie. Well, let's just say that Jack would figure it out first because he's like, how do I get into an area? He's like, I used to be able to gas into an area. How can I, how can I break in now without? And the thing is, is that Jack's way of breaking in would be breaking in. Yeah, he would break in. (laughs) Um, yeah, he's like, I was subtle about it. I used a brick to go through the front window. No one will expect that. Cough, crash. Then we have Julie. She grows bigger and becomes stronger, which, again, I, yeah. It's not how it, the yeah, power it, it, works. It was a big, yeah, like 
you know, one of the, like the two foot wide kind of like valve shut yeah. off kind of wheels. But she she distinctly got she's like I can turn this because I'm bigger now. It's like well that's not how her power works at all. Yeah, she's she's the same girl. She's just tall girl. Yeah, that's she has it. the exact same mass. She shouldn't be stronger. We'll just say right. that it allowed her to have better leverage on a thing. But that even then I kind of questioned it because I, she no, still I, she still is 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 working at it where she can remain. Uh, a solid construct yeah. and takes more thought for it to remain solid than if she just remained her normal self and just turned it. Possibly. I could see it as kind of like a, you know, a fulcrum with a lever kind of thing. It was like, she was able to, you know, kind of move the fulcrum a little bit, you know, to the side. So it was easier to move and hand wavy it's kind of whatever it was, it was to show, uh, she hadn't done anything before that or after that. So it was, it, it let her use her power. And then finally we have Katie funneling water by flying really fast around water. Yeah. Again, Okay, and, sure. Again, all of these they spent. If you're familiar with the old Marvel superheroes role playing game, they spent the hundred uh, karma points. They rolled a success on their power. They got it as a power feat. Each one of them threw a hundred karma into the pool and became able to. I can now use my powers to unlock doors, or carry water, or open a valve, or have power balls that are fire. Yeah. <laughs> It's a concussive force. <laughs> it's a concussive force. I, yeah, because it was the whole, yeah, the elemental thing. It's like, okay, dirt, yeah, air and and water and fire. It, we'll just say the Powerball is... It's, it struck it, a match. I don't it, know. It was, it, they, they threw it in at the very end. So it was just like the demon had... It was a magical construct demon in the first place anyway, so it doesn't matter. But it was just like it had had three-fourths of what it needed it was just it just needed it was a tipping point thing and so and then it was just like and my power of punching you in the face (laughs) yeah i know i know it's just a comic and we should just relax yeah i know we need but it's 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 we've we've seen these kids for a while now we know we know what their power set is and it's like hmm yeah yeah, power balls aren't fire but yeah whatever we also know the characters pretty well too and we have jack dealing with the bullies oof and this was not yeah. the Jack that we know and love. No, this is in no way Jack at no. all. Jack is very headstrong. He he cares what people think. Yeah. But he also is the kind of guy that's like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. I'll just go over here. I'll do this differently. Yeah. You know what? I these bullies are giving me problems. I'm going to get my brothers and sisters to come with me, and we're going to deal with this. Or, that, yeah. or he'll or, deal with himself. Yeah, he deal. I would see him as like very much. He would be just dancing circles around him verbally because yeah. he'd just be throwing insults at him. And I could see him. He's a scrapper. He'd be getting in a fight with these kids. And I could see him subtly using his powers in ways that oh, Alex couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could see him. You know, doing doing some. You're a little bit lighter. I can trip you. My fist is moving a little bit harder. I can punch you. Yeah, I but could not, see him not doing that. Not to the that. point where no. he would injure them yeah. badly, but yeah, I could it, see him using his powers and not being as afraid as Alex was. Exactly. Yeah, he would. Why does anything happen in a story? Because, because it's it, yeah. the story. It's in the script. You have a tale that you want to tell. That's why characters behave a certain sure. way. Activities happen a certain way because it's in the script. You yeah. know. That directors will say that. Oh, hey, how come this character did this and that? Well, because we wrote we, that in the script. We need to get to, to plot it. Yeah, we need. We, this was the plot. We needed to move on to there. That's why I would have. I would have been fine if this just was the story more about Ileana and this magical. I, I wish they kind of put more time and discussion into what this creature was, what it was trying to do, yeah. and and how that was all working. I think they could have spent a lot more time on that. Here was the thing on that. There was even a problem with this uh, this fight. Yeah. First of all, it was very much, it was almost throwaway because yeah. this, uh, this they say it's a magical construct creature, but it is a creature, you know, kind of like from Asgard. It's an enchantress's, uh, you know, it's a minion or a beast. And basically it seemed like it was just a reminder to Ileana that 
the enchantress hasn't forgotten about sure. her. And that, hey, you know, if you don't come and join me, I'm just going to send more of these constructs at you. Which, which there's a cool little story that could have yeah. been in there. And it could have been a, they could have used this as a good way to, you know, trip over a power pack and have yeah. a power story that could be in there. There really is. It was very throwaway. There's also the aspect, it's, I kind of, I've read this comic several times now over the past, mm-hmm. you know, several weeks. And it's just like, it's, it's so throwaway that I kind of forget about it yeah. each time. And you know, even it's like, it's a throwaway fight because there's this, you know, it's big. It's like 12 feet tall and it's always hovering in the air and it's demonic looking and it's shooting energy bolts yep. at them and everything. And none of them care. They are just like running experiments. They're, yeah. they're behind Warlock, who's being a wall. And he's like, they're like, Warlock, you okay? And he's like, yeah, the energy bolts are hitting me kind of tickle. Ow. You know, it's like he's getting a little, little carpet shock. Which again, it's like, I like the fact that they're using some scientific method yeah. to, to solve the problem. I'm like, that's great. Yeah, because it was Alex going, hey, I think this thing has a force field. Sure. Let's yeah. test that. And then it's like, okay, yeah, we found out it does. Well, let's check out energy transference now. Okay, I'm going to shoot a Powerball at right. it if you distract it this way. And, and so, like, I like that piece yeah. of it. I like, I like the idea of them having a nice, you know, intersection with magic. It's just, there's some good elements here, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of just swinging and missing. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And again, it was just, it was a throwaway fight that they didn't care about. Yeah. But their entire school is destroyed. But I don't think it will be the next issue. But I I know that Terry Austin's got some good stuff. Because we've seen some good stuff yeah. that Terry Austin's done. Um, I know that there's a couple of other issues that are coming up that are pretty entertaining that he's done. I like the stuff we read with Cloak and Dagger that mm-hmm. he did. It's just that I want him to be better with Power Pack. <laughs> yeah, we really do. I know. Uh, Terry Austin, here's what's neat about him is that he does do these off yeah. center stories where you're like, oh, that's a slice of life. This is interesting. You know, yeah. it's like it's dealt with uh, an author in a book series that Jack really likes, but there's a kidnapping going on. Oh, that's kind of cool. And we read it and it's like, that's not really that great. Yeah. That's not as good as the memory we have of it. And oh, this is going on. Huh. This is also not as great. You know, it's it all is different and should be unique and awesome, but it's always kind of like, you're, you're not doing it for you're me. You're not quite hitting yeah. it right. Here is uh here's the final uh, little problem that I have with the story though. Yeah. You know, there's the discussion Jack is getting bullied and there's the big discussion everybody in the family except for Katie is you know is going Jack, you know, it's like Jack, we understand you're being bullied, you can't use your powers, you can't right. use your powers. We totally understand what you're going through. Alex especially understands what Jack's going through because when he was having trouble with Johnny Rival, he never used his powers except for that first time when he fought Johnny Rival to throw him down a hill. And then uh, he said I can't do that yeah, again. And then he said I can't do it again. But so he used his powers. So, you know, but it's like okay, but besides Alex using his powers to fight a right. bully, I mean, let's take Julie. Like just recently, in the you know when the Mean Girls stole her sheep, right? And she then did not go out and use her powers to disguise herself as a giant monster to go wreak revenge on those three Mean Girls to get her sheep back. Except, wait, yeah, she totally she did totally that. Did. And then Katie saying that she would just use her powers on the bullies. <laughs> so Jack is the only one who hasn't used his powers or said that he would use his powers dealing with a bully situation. And he's the only one of all of them that we really could see doing it exactly. He's the one who would be like, hey, you know what? I have a bully. You know what's hilarious about this? I'm going to wreck this guy's world. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And he just came off not Jack. He's not Jack in yeah. this. Yeah. It, uh, not trying to take away anything from you know, victims of bullying or anything like right. that. But being bullied is terrible. Yes. It is awful and it should not occur. But it is just... And there's always that thing too. It's like, well, what's the right response to the bullying? Is it you go to a teacher? You go to your parents? Do you fight back? Do you do you take a beating? Yeah, do you take a beating because it could get? Well, you know, it's always kind of like that. Ah, I you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. What's the right response? Right. And there's, 
it's kind of one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of right responses and there's a lot of wrong responses. And a lot of that has overlap. I think that the best response is throwing dirty, soapy water on the boys. Oh, that would be a great, great response. Yeah. (laughs) I like the fact that this in, uh, yeah, Gus happened to be there with dirty mop water in the only small window in the entire brick facing of that school. He knew what's happening. Yeah. He knew what's, yeah. Jack, uh, Gus Gus is is an interesting character. I think it's, it's, I don't know. Uh, It's, it's another plot point that's, got interesting potential yep. and i don't know if it quite worked as well as it should have. yeah again it's uh there's a lot of interesting details and points here yeah. and it's like oh this could be really yeah it's not as cool as we want it to be. right he can he's got strength and nothing else yeah and you know and because even in this we didn't talk about it but he's like i'm making a superhero suit i'm gonna be all flashy and just like them and he was so excited that he stabbed scissors through his hand and had to get 48 stitches and that was the end of his superhero yeah. career and then he re- yeah and then it just shows him throwing his uh, costume away in the garbage because he's like you know, I'm if, not bulletproof. If this be my destiny. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's like, I don't think it is. So yeah, it, this is just a person with superpowers right. and a very common skill set. You know, the the power set of super strength. Yeah. You know, it's like go to go to the powerhouse, get your, you know, uh incredible strength, lift ten tons like D Man did. Yeah. Kind of live your life and exist and kinda hide your powers and never use them because you just don't know what to do with them. And I could kind of see that too. And but and then all of his families and everything too are just like uh, people are going to think you're a freak. You're going to get arrested. Just stay on the farm. Let me go ahead and go back to something I said at the very beginning, and that is about a book called Snow Glass Apples. And it's actually a short story that was written by Neil Gaiman in 1994, and it was originally released as a benefit book for Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. And it was reprinted in the anthology Love in Vain 2. Now, why am I bringing up a book that came out in 1994 after the story? It's because recently in 2019, Colleen Doran put out an adaption of Snow Glass Apples that she drew and she did the artwork for. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. I, I knew that was coming out. I was interested in getting it. I bought it hardcover, went through it, and I was just amazed. I kept showing my wife, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. I'm a big fan of the story. I've always been. But I was kind of amazed when I was like, oh, look at this. And like... Why do I recognize the name Colleen Doran as I'm reading this Marvel fanfare? Oh, it's because it's she's the artist of this book that I really love. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of fascinated by that. The graphic novel that she did with Snow Glass Apples is more of a kind of picture story. So like as the story is going on, you see kind of relief or these very artistic drawings in the background of the scenes that are happening. They're not much action. It's just you see kind of stained glass windows very beautifully rendered. It's just a wonderful book. The story itself is, um, (laughs) well, let me talk about that a bit. This is the Snow White story, but told from the side of the evil stepmother. It paints a very scary and a very, very disturbing picture of that tale that we all know. I'm not going to go into many of the details about what it really deals with, because I'd like to keep our family-friendly rating on this. Um, In fact, I would suggest heavy parental review before allowing your preteen child to read this story or look at that graphic novel or listening to the audio drama that was done back in 2001. The story was adapted in 2001 by the author and was produced by Seeing Ear Theater into a wonderful, wonderful audio drama that stars Bebe Newirth, who was Lilith on Cheers. And she does the part of the evil stepmother. It is creepy. It is frightening, and it is just 
terrifying and it is wonderful in all of its glory it's just one of my favorite little short stories of neil gaiman i like a lot of neil gaiman stuff and it's one of my favorite ones that he did and especially after hearing that uh seeing ear theater production so that's my little library card that i wanted to bring to this issue because i couldn't really come up with anything else and i got really fascinated once i connected up what was going on with colleen in both this story and that story but since we are in a high school, I guess I should evade my bullies by ducking into the science classroom and seeing what Jeff's got burning on the old Bunsen burner. In this issue, Jack takes shelter from the fallout of some bullies in his school's underground fallout shelter. Well, this got me thinking, what is a fallout shelter and how does it work? A fallout shelter is an enclosed space specifically designed to protect occupants from radioactive debris or fallout resulting from a nuclear explosion. Many such shelters were constructed as civil defense measures during the Cold War. During a nuclear explosion, matter vaporized in the resulting fireball is exposed to neutrons from the explosion, absorbs them, and becomes radioactive. When this material condenses in the rain, it forms dust and light sandy material that resembles ground pumice. The fallout emits alpha and beta particles, as well as gamma rays. Much of this highly radioactive material falls to the earth, subjecting anything within the line of sight to radiation, becoming a significant hazard. A fallout shelter is designed to allow its occupants to minimize exposure to harmful fallout until radioactivity has decayed to a safer level. A basic fallout shelter consists of shields that reduce gamma ray exposure by a factor of 1000. The required shielding can be accomplished by 10 times the thickness of any quantity of material capable of cutting gamma ray exposure in half. Shields that reduce gamma ray intensity by 50% include 0.4 inches of lead, 2.4 inches of concrete, 3.6 inches of packed earth, or 500 feet of air. When multiple thicknesses are built, the shielding multiplies. Thus, a practical fallout shield is 10 halving thicknesses of packed earth, reducing gamma rays by approximately 1,024 times. Dry earth is a reasonably good thermal insulator, and over several weeks of habitation, a shelter will become dangerously hot. The simplest form of effective fan to cool a shelter is a wide, heavy frame with flaps that swing in the shelter's doorway and can be swung from hinges on the ceiling. The flaps open in one direction and close in the other, pumping air. Unfiltered air is safe since the most dangerous fallout has the consistency of sand or finely ground pumice. Such large particles are not easily ingested into the soft tissues of the body, so extensive filters are not required. Any exposure to fine dust is far less hazardous than exposure to the fallout outside of the shelter. Dust fine enough to pass the entrance will probably pass through the shelter. Some shelters, however, incorporate NBC filters for additional protection. Inhabitants should plan to remain sheltered for at least two weeks, then work outside for gradually increasing amounts of time to four hours a day at three weeks. The normal work is to sweep or wash fallout into shallow trenches to decontaminate the area. They should sleep in the shelter for several months. Evacuation at three weeks is recommended by official authorities. If available, inhabitants may take potassium iodide at the rate of 130 milligrams per day per adult as an additional measure to protect the thyroid gland from the uptake of dangerous radioactive iodine, a component of most fallout and reactor waste. So, there you have it. Information on fallout shelters. It turns out that they have more uses than just being a good hiding place from bullies and being an area that you can meet a magic mentor figure at. And that is this week's Science Corner. But what if I want to become the Incredible Hulk? Then uh, expose yourself to the gamma rays of a nuclear war and get Hulk powers. Woohoo! I'm at Hulk Smash! Yeah, Hulk Smash <laughs> or Tumors. One of those two. Tumors or Hulking. 
I mean, wow. it's it's a 50-50 shot. Well, it depends on what reality you're in. You're in the... Uh, I'm in the reality of saying, Hulk power thoughts. Hulk power <laughs> thoughts. Hulk-like art on refrigerator. What do you have for your funny backup one, sir? My backup funny, funny, funny one is on page 23, and I call it Three Eyes of Arrakis. It is the very central panel of this page, and it shows, it's after uh, Jack has been beaten up by Vinny, but his family's telling him how proud they are. And I call it Three Eyes of Arrakis because Alex's eyes are Freeman blue all the way through, and uh, one of Julie's eyes is the same. It is just vibrantly blue while the other one is flesh-colored. So, Three Eyes of Arrakis, Dune Desert Planet. These are takers of spice and have become Fremen. (laughs) Um, I was not thinking you'd choose that one on that page, but interesting choice. Interesting <laughs> choice. All right. I can I can appreciate that one. I'm going to give you one that I call, Isn't That Cute? It is on page 18. And it's right smack uh, in the middle of the page. Yeah. And it is and it is a really strangely drawn Katie yeah. who's holding a daisy that apparently was she was given, she picked up after Warlock Somewhere. left or something. And she is just beaming and screaming, you missed the big fight uh, between the scary late monster and a magic lady and the silly Mr. Pretend guy. And she is just exuding cute because there's mm-hmm. stars yeah, and there's and just yellow energy. Streak energy lines. And it's, it's, it's a thing. Beaming. It's a thing. She's holding a flower. Yeah, it, it, all of the Katie drawings, well, none of the characters look really right. But right. the Katie drawings especially all look off. Just off a little yeah. bit. But yeah, it, it's a screaming cute. Yeah, so yeah. See. I was like, yeah. I was like, that just made me laugh a little I bit. I get that. That's pretty great. This is my top funny one, and it's on page eight. And I call it, All Hail the Mighty Trefoil. <laughs> and this is when Jack is at the fallout sheltered door, and he's laying his hands upon it and uh, degrabbing it to unlock it. But it really looks like he's, you know, it's just like, there's the trefoil, the radioactive symbol uh, on the door. And he's, you know, it's like, All Hail, because he's got his arms up and, in worship and his, to and it. His, and his hands are glowing, yeah. and it's and it's magical. And it, ma- All Hail Trefoil opens the sesame door, and, yeah. and it opens. Yeah, it did. And I just thought that was, re- to me, it was really funny. It's as funny as, as, as Katie being cutesy. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your number one funny, funny joke, joke one? Hey, mister. Hey, mister. Mm-hmm. You want to buy a pony? <laughs> Warlock <laughs> as a rocking horse on page 23, page I believe. Page 17. Page, page 17. 17. Okay. Yes. Uh, Magic's leaning on her sword, kind of saying goodbye to Alex and Julie. And Katie's in the background yeah. riding the Warlock rocking horse. And if that's not the funniest thing you've seen today... You ain't looking at this book. <laughs> yeah, well, anything Warlock does is always funny. I mean, heck, on page 16, uh, he's a trebuchet earth mover. So, yeah. you know, he's just like, <laughs> Warlock just makes funny stuff. I mean, another funny one in there is when he's playing basketball against himself. Yes, and he, yeah, is the, yeah. he is the net, and he's all swoosh. You know, he's like from three-point land shooting into his nose, which <laughs> nothing, is the hoop. Nothing but me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, okay. So, yeah, anytime you have a warlock picture, you can just go, and that's a funny one. And that's a funny one. What do you got for your uh, best backup one, sir? It is on page 11 in the bottom left-hand panel, and I call it, A New Challenger Approaches. (laughs) And this is when Magic is in her uh, eldritch-armored form, and she is fighting the giant ogre demon monster that's floating in the air. And I just thought that looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, I just see a new challenger approaches because you're just going through and you're you know it's it's a it's a mini boss fight. Yep, 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 mm-hmm. yep. I, I do like that one. I chose another one yeah. and another magic one. 
and it is on page 15, and I call this Eat Magic. It's the top of the two long panels, mm-hmm. and it's where she's screaming. She's got her soul sword pointed forward, and it's yep. just unleashing this magical torrent. Yep. And I don't know. I just I, I really liked how that looked. It was I, on my list. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that looked very cool. To be honest, most of my initial this is my favorite art ones were magic pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because a lot of the magic stuff looks really cool. Right, right, right. I like I said, I like her fantasy type drawing, and I yep. think that that's where she really excels. Yep. What is your top one? My top one is on page 10 on the bottom right-hand panel, and I call it Weird Magic Girl Transformation. <laughs> and this is a picture of the uh, the demon when it is in uh, six-year-old Ileana form, and it shows her, tra- you know, she's floating and the wind's blowing, you know, giving an upskirt on her for her panties, but it's just her transformation into her beast form. Yeah. And normally a magic girl, you know, they do their transformation sequence and they get a little bit taller and a little bit more frivolously dressed whereas well, this one the little girl goes through like an uh, almost actually like a energy destroyer alex form to get to her uh, ogre form her, her final form her is final ogre form, form. Yeah. yeah this yeah. isn't even my final form <laughs> which is a floating ogre i did see that one i like that one too it's it's good it's yeah. it's really good i i do like most of the magic stuff is good. And Again, to, to top it off, I'm going to say my top one is the splash page, which I know is oh, yeah, it's I, a bit of a cheat. I thought about doing that one, but honestly. I, I, I like how just we see everybody here, and I really like that scroll work down below, and that's what really sold it for me. No, I really like that splash page. And again, we talked about it before. It's where it says, you know, a, a tale of dark sorcery and blah, 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 blah. And it shows all the characters. I The only reason I didn't pick that one is because it had nothing to do no. with the issue. No, I, just, that, yeah. I saw it as the cover, part two. Yeah. Because it's very much just like, it's a cover photo. Yeah, yeah. And, and I get that, but I'm like, I liked it. Oh, so, it still yeah. works. It's a great. Yeah, it, it's great. I like. I said. I honestly thought about picking that one. Good choice, though. I think it's a good choice too. Which I, I appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want us to feel bad and say insults at each other, but not towards each other? Just related from kids in the book that we heard. I like this plan. Let's okay. go with it. I'm gonna go ahead and do with my backup one first, uh-huh. and it is on page 19, and it's Julie commenting to Katie after she has, you know, really riled up her brother. Again. Again. And I think she puts it quite succinctly when she says, way to go, Dunderhead. Dunderhead. Yep, yep. Dunderhead's a good Dunderhead's one. Dunderhead's a good one. You don't get a Dunderhead that you often. You do not. That, no. w- that was on my list. It was, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. What is your backup insult then? My backup insult one is on page 18 and this is after uh, Jack has crawled out of the rubble and Katie's telling him how he missed the fight with the monster person and the magic girl and the pretend man and you know and it's just if you came out of like a collapsed building and somebody was just telling you that uh, you would have Jack's response which is a mental response which is I knew it my sister has bean dip for brains. Not only a good insult but a tasty treat. Yeah, I love bean dip. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Very good, I, very I good. I have been wanting bean dip again. <laughs> I am not a big fan of brain bean dip. No. But, but good none the same. I mean, uh, who's to who's to just poo-poo somebody's regional delicacy? Not me. Not me. Nope. nope. I am not going to be that guy. But I will be the guy mm-hmm. to point out that on page three, mm-hmm. we have from Senior Gus. Yes. Goldang smart mouth punks. Oh yeah. <laughs> Goldang smart mouth 
punk. Yeah, this is after Jack has had his initial run in the book of the bullies. Yeah, and the bullies Bullying have him. and the bullies have uh, walked off after Gus has kind of came down and you know what yeah. are you whippersnappers doing on my lawn? And they laughed at him and and his comment is that they are nothing but nothing more than gold-armed smart mouth. Punks. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. There's a lot of good uh, insults in this yes. one. There's a whole lot. What's your top one? My top one is on page 13, and it comes from Warlock. And this is during the testing phase on the uh, magical construct that they're fighting. Warlock is going to go and be a little distraction for Alex when Alex is going to shoot a powerball at him. But uh, Warlock, talking to this uh, magical beast, says, Pardon me, sir, but self-friend Ileana informs self that your mistress chooses to attire herself in army boots. Is that now the preferred mode of dress in Asgard? Your mama wears combat boots. boots. Yeah, (laughs) your mama wears army boots. Your mama wears combat boots. I'm like, it's just such a long, around-the-block way of saying that simple, simple childish insult. So I like that one a lot. Very, very well done. (laughs) To Warlock, not so much to you. Yeah, not so much to me. Not so much to you. (laughs) But pro-Warlock, anti-me. Anti-you. Speaking of... What a good boy Warlock is, oh, even though he's not good, good even though he's not part of this contest. No, nope. we need to find out who's the best, who's the worst, who gets the stars, who gets the detention. Yeah, I, I think, think we're gonna have this. Fairly I think we're gonna have be, be be the same on this one. I'll be surprised mm-hmm. if we don't. Worst, Jack. Really? Yes. I'm surprised by that one because uh, I could agree to that. I, here is part of the problem with this one is that I could understand why he chose Jack because Jack is in a pity party the entire yes. time. He's not dealing with his bullies. He's not really asking for help. He's just hiding from issues. Yeah. I could totally understand why you're picking. it's just not Jack. Yeah. I could also see as uh, everybody else was kind of uh, Sir not appearing in this issue. Uh, I mean, yeah, they did stuff with the the monster and everything. They fought that. But it was very much, it it was a Jack-centric issue in my opinion. And so I don't see Jack as being the worst because he was kind of the protagonist in this one. Yeah, but I I just, I just didn't like him. I did not like him. and 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 I just didn't feel like it was him. And when he did show up, he was just whiny, whiny pants. I could, again, I totally, totally understand you that. chose katie i did chose katie yeah i yes. can see that that's how katie, i use words is i chose katie. i chose katie. <laughs> yeah. um because uh let me guess she was very very mean to jack yeah she was just perpetually it was she just was like hey a good yeah. sibling not really it was just like ha you're being bullied ha ha poke 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 bullied poke yeah you're a victim and you're crying yourself to sleep every you cry yourself through school and you've got that you're carrying so, your books all tight to yourself he so so, so katie's, katie's, the, katie's trying to become the next generation bully yeah, yeah, yeah she is a bully because she's even like you call that bullying i oh, could bully these bullies bully. i will bully the heck out of these kids they won't know what's coming at them it's like, and, and then she, even later, she's just like, when I grow up, you kids are, you guys are dead meat. Nobody, you know, <laughs> mentally, she's like, nobody bullies my brother but me. It's like, wow, Katie's a monster. So, yeah. So, I, so my bad kid, detention kid in this is Katie. Are we agreeing on Alex being the best? I actually, that is a great choice. I was going to pick Jack as the best because he learned okay. a lesson. I saw this as it was the, the hero's arc of from, from the ashes, he rose up and he learned a lesson and he stood I up for himself at the end I and still he don't had know a mentor if, and everything. I still don't know if that was the best choice at the end though. It was a choice. It was a choice. It seemed, hey, uh, from the reading that I haven't done yet in the future issues of Power Pack, it seems that it paid off well. Because so I don't I think he a- ever deals with his bullies ever again. <laughs> No, he doesn't because uh, he doesn't act like this again. Yeah, ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. So I mean, this was a this was a huge. I mean, it was a guest writer yeah. came in yeah. and said, "I want to do a Jack story." 
I said Alex because it seemed like he was really conducting experiments on this monster. And I like that. It was it was a bit of a leadership role. Yeah. It was him actually like, okay, we're gonna try this, we're gonna try this, and we're gonna put this together. I liked that aspect about him, and it felt a little bit more kind of what we're seeing in the all ages book. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And he also was the one like, you know, let's not, you know, Jack, let's let's work on this together. He was very level-headed about everything, which is Alex that I like to see. And it was also the aspect too where he's just like, okay, Jack's not come out of school yet. He's probably being bullied by Vinny. Right. Let's not bring it up unless he wants to talk about it. He's really sensitive about that. And yeah, what happened? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so that, that's interesting that we we kind of went all over the board yeah, on that. Yeah, we did one. go over the board. Yeah, but I think I think each choice is great. I think everything works good. Uh, I, it's our own opinions. Is Everybody has opinions. their own choice. Yeah. yeah. It also is our opinions about what is the best and what is the worst book. We have a list now that is 45 issues long. Uh, number one, still with a bullet power pack. Number 25 power trip in the middle of the list around place. Number 20, we have power pack volume one, number 10, which is sea hunt in last place. X factor annual number two, man in the moon. I'm going to stay down here at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, middle or lower. Well, we have another Terry Austin one down here, and that is number 42, The Great Gugam Treasure Hunt. Mm-hmm. That might be a good place to start. <sighs> the characters were more themselves in that one. I was going to say, I like The Gugam Treasure Hunt better than I like this one. Yeah. Uh, below that, we've got This Cursed Earth, which is Thor Volume 1, where Katie was a, used yeah, as a weapon. Used as a weapon, yeah. It's just... um, I kind of like that one a little bit more, too. Oh, wow. Okay, then what about Child's Play? Oh, oh, I know which one it is. Oh, this is, oh, Mad the Madcap. Yeah, it's Madcap. Hmm. Hmm. The, the kids were more themselves in that one, too. Yeah. Um. That was not a... Get, well, we're down at the bottom of the list, so right. obviously I'm like, that was not a great issue. <laughs> Which one would you rather read it again? I think I'd rather read this Marvel fanfare before I'd want to read that one. Again, both are really pretty shaky. Yeah. That one had Franklin in it, and I love Franklin. But the it kids was, are kind of a little bit sort of more of themselves, I, I but liked, also... I, ah. liked, I actually did like Madcap in that one, but, really? yeah, okay. but, he's, but I can understand completely why it, it works better when you're younger. I'm willing to put this above that one. Uh, we'll make this one the new number 44... Above Child's Play. So Marvel Fanfare, number 55. You're uh, you're coming in pretty low there, my friends. Yeah, well, Not let, at the very bottom, but... No, let's just agree that we can we can both say that it's better than uh, X-Factor Annual number two, The Man in the Moon. Yes. So without reservations, <laughs> right? So. Yes. Yes. Not a problem on that one. <laughs> but we have beer. Yes, we do. And a very nice can. Yeah. It is definitely feeling more of the hops near the end, like mm-hmm. it usually does when it gets warmer. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, it was like those really heavy citrus notes were very were when you just you open the can mm-hmm. and you're like, ooh, citrusy. But then they're really pretty hidden after that. Yeah, it's um, a mild IPA, which is okay. Which is good for a seventy what seventy one seventy two i. Let's look at our character sheet. Uh, seventy two IBU. Yeah, yeah. seventy two IBU. It's not bad. No, it's not bad. Um, it's it's not. I don't know if I would uh, voluntarily go back to it yeah. anytime. It's not one that I'd be like, yeah, I could go for that. It, it's like, I would, I'm drinking it. I would drink it. Uh, would I drink it again? Sure. Would I actively hunt it out? No. For, for if you are a D&D player and you do like IPAs, I highly recommend looking up Lewitt Brewing. 
uh, Player's Handbook IPA series because this is a very fine picture. And there's other ones out there. I yeah. did see other characters too, but this is the only one I picked up because yeah, this is yeah. one. Yeah, this tied into the show. Tied into our show. Uh, you know, go to go to our website. Look at the uh, we we put pictures up of the cover and the uh, you know pictures of the art that we chose and everything, and uh, also of the beer can. But so, definitely check this one yeah. out because it, it's a very cool looking beer can. So it I, is a I good like looking this. can. I'm willing to give this a good. I'm willing to say two and a half for this one. Oh, okay. I was actually uh, going to say uh, about three, three, five, three. We'll just say three. Okay. It's fine. Fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, like I said, would drink it again, would not hunt it. And uh, uh, I give the can a five, but I give the contents a, a three. For if, if you like IPAs, though, I think that you would like this one. It's just this is very much an IPA, and that's yeah. where it's kind of hitting a little bit lower for me. Well, you know, it, uh, if people really like IPAs, they may even kind of be a little disgruntled with this one because it's such a mild IPA. Mm. So, uh, who knows? Good point. Try it or don't. Yep. And in the meantime, now that we've talked about some beer, uh, that naturally flows into talking to a child about a comic book. So, Rick, could you talk to your daughter, Carrie, and see what her views are of this issue that we just read? Hi, Carrie. How are you today? Good. And you? I am doing great, having a pretty nice, lazy Saturday with my family. Well, it's lazy now, but it's going to get busy. Well, yeah, we're going to go and see a play tonight, aren't we? Yes. What, what play? Frozen. That's right. We can't go to see the play until after we talk about this comic book, right? Yeah, because this fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> and you just found out what fanfare is, right? Yeah. Something important or something that you announce, right? Yes. This is an important story or an interesting story that Marvel decided to share with us. But there's a couple of things that are strange about it, aren't there? Uh, yeah. Tell me about what you saw as being strange. In Power Pack, they still had their old costumes on. Mm -hmm. Not like their new costumes ever since they switched powers. Right, so they, they switched powers. But in this book, they're wearing different costumes than they wore in the regular series. Yeah, now Julie's wearing Jack's costume. Because she's wearing the costume for the mass and density control, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's got the right costumes on, but it's not the costumes they were wearing. Yeah. Okay, there's a reason for that. Coming up in about five or six issues, I think, they're going to change their costumes. Oh. But it hasn't happened yet, right? No. The reason I put this here is because Magic, the character shows up in this, in about three issues, something pretty big is going to happen to her. Her change is a little bit bigger than the costume change, so we just kind of have to go with it. <laughs> this does not take place at the right time for the stories, is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> what other weird things did you notice? Did you notice anything else interesting or strange, or did you have questions about anything else? Jack has darker hair, I suppose. Well, what did you think about the story overall? How did you like it? Did you like it, or did you find it okay, or what? It was okay. Some of it I didn't understand. Like what? Ileana was staring at her seven-year-old her, but then it changes into a what? A demon? Yeah. that That's kind of confusing. Yeah. It's talking about lots of stuff, and I'm like, I wonder if I should skip this or not. It, it's some old stuff that happened to her character in an, in a couple of issues of New Mutants. But it, it does kind of come out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah. What else did you kind of find weird or strange? Or did that made you think the story was just okay? I think it's just the demon thing. 
How about the story overall? Did you find it interesting or was it kind of boring? What did you think about how the characters acted, especially Jack? Is that how Jack normally acts? No. How does Jack normally act with people? Sometimes he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. He, he has a better self-esteem, right? Yeah. And in this one, he's kind of like, I don't know. I can't find the word for that. Uh, he's a little more scared than he normally is? Yeah. And Jack usually isn't scared, right? Yeah. So it's a little strange, isn't it? Yeah. Anything else that really struck you or you liked or didn't like about this book? Not really. Is it By the way, on the cover, what is Iana holding? Iliana? Iliana. That's her soul sword. It's a it's a weapon that she created using magic and a part of herself. So it's a it's a weapon that she can use to battle against mystical creatures. Okay. Is that kind of cool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Okay. Overall, did you like it or not like it? And it's okay if you didn't like it, if, if it wasn't one of your favorites. Okay, so I didn't not like it. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of in the middle. Kind of in the middle for you? Yeah. All right. Well, if that's all you got to say, that's all you got to say. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Welcome, Daddy. I love you. Love you, too. <laughs> oh, you. Oh, Carrie. You're always so insightful. Thank you for joining us. Shout out time! We love to recognize all of our listeners whenever they stop by and say hi to us on the street, in our houses, in our cars early in the morning. That really freaked me out. Yeah, it's it's so great and also terrifying when you wake up in the middle of the night to a noise and there's one of your fans just hovering over your bed telling you how nice it is to watch you sleep. It's yeah. peaceful and you're like, ha, should I sign something for you? And thank you for listening. But if you want to be a little, you know, a little calmer than that, <laughs> we will accept you just, you know, liking us on Facebook or on Twitter. Or give us a digital wave and a high and say something to us that way. These are the people that did that with episode 50, Power Pack 38, Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep. Al Sedano and Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Charles Gears. Chris at BTO Bat Books. Chris Reeves. Cindy Heineken. Comics Culture and Cosplay Podcast. Craig McNichol. Dave Shevlin. David Aldler. David Collins. The Battle Wagon Itself. Ed 209. Fan Film Friday Podcast. Gary Key. Gene Hendricks. Gibson Gray. Green Lantern HG, and he says, Great episode, guys, and if Jeff writes that book, I'll wait for the movie. Previews done, credits roll, movie starts, he's the killer. Ending credits. The Hammer Strikes. Hoover Jeremiah. Thanks once again for the excellent gift a couple episodes ago. Yeah, that was still super, super cool. I just keep on thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that's neat. But be sure to check out his podcast, too. Four million years later. Jeff Polier, who appreciated us wishing him a happy birthday. Turns out his birthday is the day before mine. So, inadvertent happy belated birthday, Jeff. Jeremy Daw. Jonathan Schaefer Hames. And the Married with Comics podcast. Julie Powerfan, who said that this is her favorite Power Pack cover. Keith Baker. Limax 7. Matthew Birdsey. Max Grant. Max Trevor. I guess you could say we are to the max. Ugh. Mr. Oberts, 
who saw the cover and thought it would be cool to see a what if where the kids became the worth during the fear itself storyline. Mr. Rogers Corps. New Warriors Talk. Nicholas Prom in the Comic Reflections Podcast. Sailor Bear Zodar. Sean in the Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Star Wars Splash Page. And they say that they grew up on Power Pack. It remains among their faves. This team gets it, and it's on our must-listen list of comics-focused podcasts. Tim Price, the Podcrasher. Waffles the dog. And he says, Had an awesome day. Nothing like celebrating by listening to one of my all-time favorite podcasts. And Warlord Worlds. Be sure to check out some of the other shows that we're on, including our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agents episode of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Merck Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of two wizards in cans. <laughs> in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet or the magic of a can, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Presents, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are proud supporters of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Broken Reality. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. <clears throat> I'm going to drink beer instead. Show can wait. The boom. Yeah, you guys have all heard it before. Something about Power Pack. Jack says something fun. Uh, Katie's cute. What's funny is that he thinks I'm going to leave this part in. Yeah, I just assume everything goes into outtakes. The boom. Katie makes an interesting... Why? My script just went... Blip. Different one. The boom. A year prior, she was only six years old when she fell into a magical porter. (laughs) No, I don't want to. You're married. Yeah. But I like her falling into a magic magical porter. Who carried her away to limbo and then held out his hat waiting for a tip. (laughs) Or she drank the porter and got drunk. Yeah. And she was six years old. Well, it won't take much. She's six. The boom. Lana. 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 What? (laughs) Splat. (laughs) The boom. Apparently, she does apologize off panel. Panel? Panimal. Panimal. It was during that whole people change into things. I'm and a so, yeah. The boom. But I think putting a creak sound effect over... over for- the boom. Gush. Gush. Gus. The boom. And then if we go down to the bottom of the list, we've got X Factor and... Look <laughs> myself in the eye. <laughs> Ow! I wasn't even Ow! <laughs> I bashed the microphone, I stabbed myself in the eye. I'm like, what just happened? I rolled a one on my uh, critical failure on life activities. I'm like, I'll itch my nose. No, I'll bash a mic and stab myself in the eye. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. That just... I'm like, I'm not going to be able to respond because I heard... <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Good. Ah, 
Ooh, blurry. Yeah. 